Right then, back by no one's demand but our own. And from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios here in beautiful, sunny, scenic Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions podcast. It's powered by your friends at Two Rivers Ford and brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Happy Tuesday. Happy Draft Week. Happy everything. It feels a little bit like Christmas Day, but we're not quite there yet. When the Titans pick 22nd overall, we think, in the first round, we will have the best analysis for you leading up to draft day because Teron Davenport of ESPN.com is here to make sure that you are informed about all things NFL draft. We have your Music City Mailbag questions as well. A lot of fun on the podcast today. You know what else is fun? It's fun to work with local companies, fun to work with good businesses that you know you can trust. If you're like me, now more than ever, you want to do business with a local company that cares about people. That's why I tell you guys about my friends at Two Rivers Ford. Since the minute they opened their doors way, 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 way back in 1983, Two Rivers Ford has been giving their customers quality American-made vehicles at fair upfront pricing. They're also big believers in a no-pressure buying experience, which is one of the main reasons they have a non-commissioned sales team. Their formula has obviously worked because now, almost 40 years later, Two Rivers Ford is one of the most trusted names in Middle Tennessee. So if you're in the market for a vehicle, go to the dealership that has the name that people trust. Go see my friends at Two Rivers Ford. They're in Mount Juliet, just seven miles east of the airport or online at Two Rivers Ford. Com. Let's get to TD. Okay, Teron Davenport of ESPN is here. It is draft week, so you know we had to get the insights, the analysis, the just, you know, over, well-rounded knowledge that comes with our friend Teron Davenport. TD, how we living? Hey, man, every day is a good day, man. How are you? You're back from vacation, so I know you're, you're living. Yeah, you know, we, we, we just just two days. Two days in Florida to kind of get away and to then come back and just immediately be drowned in all things NFL draft because it sure is, uh, it sure, certainly, it, we, we've been ramping up to this point for months at this uh, at this juncture, but it's soon, as soon as Monday got here, it just flat out hits everybody in the face because it's go time. We're finally at the point where we can talk substantively about moves that will be made and yeah. what teams will do to finally improve the thing that we've all been waiting very anxiously for. Talking with TD, by the way, is the podcast that you can go check out where all of the, and see, I think, I think Teron has had damn near half, uh, half of the draft and the entire draft class on the podcast at this point. It's very, it's an incredible resource. If you haven't been keeping up with it, I'm sure most people who subscribe to this podcast subscribe to talking with TD as well. So Teron, we are uh, at the time of this podcast taping, we are four days away from the first round. I think, I, I guess we, we had a, a, a press conference with G John Robinson today, Titans GM. And I thought that there was not a ton initially to be gleaned, but I thought that one question that you asked John about receivers, specifically slot receivers was, I would say the most informative answer 
of the day, how you kind of view one of those players, especially given what the what the hesitance might have been in years past to draft just a purely slot receiver in the yeah. first round. And I thought John gave you a really, really informed answer on that that kind of covered his bases, but also gave us a little bit of insight into how they're viewing this position. Absolutely. And I think that's important to look into what he said. He asked, well, how is he, is he going to be exclusively slot? Can he help on the outside? That's where a guy like Rashad Bateman comes to mind. But then he mentions the return aspect. Obviously, Elijah Moore comes to mind with that, the vertical part of it, the ability to get open underneath as well. So these are all things that Moore out of Old Miss brings to the table. And, and I wanted to ask that question because so many people when – and I, I, I mean, look, I, there are like five different directions that this team could go in my mind. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I push Rashad Bateman. I push Elijah Moore. And every time I mention Elijah Moore, they say, oh, well, a slot receiver in the first round can't do that. That's why I asked him that question. And he pretty much said, hey, look, that's definitely something that's on the table. Without question. And it should be, by the way, like that was that was the whole reason they got into essentially a bidding war with the New England Patriots. Yeah, right over Adam Humphreys because he not only had the ability to play in the slot, which of course was his primary function for two years here in Tennessee, but also the ability to play on the outside to fill, you know, versatility. Tehran doesn't drink, but it's a drinking game in the Titan zooms. Whenever they say versatility, you drink. That is the thing that this ultimately comes back to. And I don't think that's I don't think that's exclusive to the Tennessee Titans. I, I feel like most most teams probably evaluate positions that way. But this team with receivers has a, a has a certain at least what we've seen with Corey Davis, then AJ Brown. They obviously brought in Humphreys after the fact in free agency to kind of plug and play a little bit at a position that they needed to add. But this team has had a a prototype of what they're starting outside wide receivers look like big body guys like to get involved in the run game yards after contact yards after the catch not necessarily straight line down the down the field speed but play speed is something that they've always emphasized and I think that just looking at Josh Reynolds given that he is he is assuming (laughs) that he is going to slot into that Corey Davis role but still needing a dimension in this offense to run. I think there are so many different ways that they could go. Would it be your preference for them to go wide receiver in the first round, or are you looking at this best player available as well? Yeah, it's such a tough question. And one of the things that also fits into the versatility aspect is the fact that when you have a guy like A.J. Brown, you want to move him across the formation because you want to create matchups like they did against the Ravens where they got him against Marlon Humphrey. And look, he dominated Humphrey when he was in the slot. So I think if you have a slot like Rashad Bateman, especially that could play that, and also because you go back and watch his 2019 tape, he's on the outside and he's really doing his thing. And that was like a top 15 pick type of of film, if if you watch that. And then this past year in the slot. But, you know, I keep going back to Elijah Moore, and I I just – what was it – Todd McShay in his draft nuggets post, he said that most teams, he said he hasn't talked to a single evaluator on a team that doesn't have Elijah Moore as their number four receiver. 
that was really interesting to me. So yeah. he's going to be there more than likely unless the Bears take him. But I, I think receiver is a really good position to go to. But then you, you hear what John Robinson says, right? This draft is pretty evenly spread at, at receiver. Cornerback is a little top heavy. There's players throughout, but it's a little top heavy. And that takes me to, to Greg Newsom. And I, I think, you know, I already submitted my pick for the NFL Nation mock draft. It'll be on ESPN tomorrow at 8.30. But, you know, Greg Newsom is someone that I really would start to consider. Only thing is those injuries. I mean, he's, he's missed, what, 15 games over the last two seasons, three seasons. So that's, that's a lot. Yeah, and, and that's basically the conversation around at least those – the top two corners, I think, by almost anybody's consensus are Sertain and J.C. Horn. And then you look at Greg Newsom, who appears to be the most – I don't know how you would describe him – scheme versatile – of mm-hmm. all of the of all of the top end corners, and of course Caleb Farley, opt outs, injuries, probably the most freakish of the athletes, but he's only still just learning the corner position out of Virginia Tech. So there are there are there are I, I won't call them red flags because red flag seems too extreme, but there are reasons to kind of look at those look at that position specifically around where the Titans would be picking and have a, a degree of hesitancy about what you're kind of looking at. Whereas receiver, you can, I mean, I, I don't know, Teron, there's there's there you could go into day day three basically. I would go as late as the fourth yeah. round and say that you could find starting, maybe not starting, but contributing wide receiver help that late, given just how talented the players coming out of this class are I really really especially the Louisville guys I mean uh there's so so many that whether whether it's small school FCS uh major conference college football they're all over the place they're all different shapes sizes uh and and skill sets but they all seem to be able to contribute in a way I feel like we've seen the receivers kind of evolve more more in the last maybe five years to become where we're in a place where there's there's just so much depth of the talent this because yeah. I don't remember a wide receiver draft really since the Corey Davis draft that has lacked this kind of maybe not this kind of depth but the kind of depth that you can find across multiple days yeah I mean we could get a Josh Palmer you mentioned Patrick Sertan right Josh Palmer had a day against him gave and him he's the a guy, business <laughs> yeah and you could probably get him in, in on day three like you said and then you look at Cornell Powell right Sean Wade is a corner that a lot of people love Look at the bowl game, man. He grinded him up, you know, in, in the, uh, the final. Um, there's so many players, right? Kate Johnson out of uh, – San, uh, I keep saying San Diego State. Uh, South Dakota State, he's another one that you could get late. Uh, there, We could go on and on. Brandon Mack out of Temple is a guy I know that they've talked to. I've had him on talking with TD, and he's a bigger receiver. Maybe not the fastest, but he's a red zone specialist, so that's something. I think they need to pluck two receivers out of this draft just because but I really like Cam Batson, right? I, I love how small you, you know I like Cam Batson, you know, just the small, tough player like that. Uh, Corey Davis is gone, right? So, you know, you got Cam Batson, you got A.J. Brown, you got Josh Reynolds on a one-year deal, Westbrook and Kenny, and then after that, I mean, it really isn't. So they could really use two guys to come in, and if you could get one of those guys to be a returner, like Jaden Darden out of uh, uh, North Texas State, now you're, you're, you're doubling up. So they really do need to look at that. And you're right, the receivers, 
this in this class are deep, but even just nowadays, it's just it's different because these guys are coming up, going to those seven on seven camps. You have coaches like like the the guy the Ravens just hired to be their pass game coordinator, Keith Williams. You know that, that just specialized. You got Footwork King in Dallas working with kids when they're 13 years old. So now it's just all trickling up as opposed to trickling down. It's going up to where you're seeing guys coming to the league much more advanced. Quarterback and wide receiver, it seems, certainly in the yeah. last couple of years. And and fortunately for uh, for just this, the watchability of the NFL, that the offense at the best position, the most important position, the quarterback and skill position players are getting this refinement so early on so that they can be, if not physically ready for the league, on a uh, from a schematic standpoint, from yeah, a route running exactly. standpoint, you can really, really see that bear that come to bear. Now, the thing that that I look at just throughout the the course of this whole draft process, Teron, is there are so many different reports coming out of reliable sources at your teammate Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, Field Yates, Todd McShay. Like, and this is this is the 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 process that we all go through year in and year year out. We know that it's called lying season for a reason. But ultimately, this draft process, I, I don't know. You you are very very well connected within this uh, this world. Draft draft season is TD season without question. There's no doubt about it. But I wonder, Teron, how you've gone through kind of sifting through the information in a year where honestly, like, I don't believe anything that anybody says this year at all. There is so many unknowns. There are so many different layers to this thing, whether it be opt-outs, shortened seasons, difficulties getting the medicals. We could see, I mean, with the with the Rappaport tweet uh, talking about the 49ers going back and forth between Mac Jones and Trey Lance, we could see Trey Lance taken in the top three with what, having played one football game in the past 400 plus days, Teron, it makes zero sense to me. But I'm wondering from your standpoint how you go through and kind of try and process all of this information that's coming out while trying to keep yourself on close to the, the trail, for lack of a better term, of what the Titans may be trying to do. Yeah, I think you have to be very wary of the game itself, right? You have agents leaking stuff to media you have teams leaking stuff to media and they're both just trying to posture and that's that's really what, what you have to be aware of for me most of the stuff I get is from talking to players you know Nico Collins you take him the receiver out of Michigan I talked to him and I just asked him just point blank what was the vibe like when you talk to the Titans because it's not enough to just say have, have you talked to the Titans right yeah, so what's the vibe like how was the back and forth and he said that it was a great conversation. You know, he said they put him on the board. He had to regurgitate the offense, whatever play call that they went through with him. After, you know, they showed it and then had a convo, he had to do it. That's what I look at. Aziz Ojolari, when I talked to him about meeting with the Titans, he said, oh, man, Mike Brable was really cool. You know, and, and he just lit up. That tells me that meeting was a good meeting. And typically – when a team has such a positive meeting with a player, there's the reason why, because they're vested in them, they're interested in them. But then you also have to look at it where you'll have a team meet with a player to get information on one of his teammates, right? right? And you're going to see that a lot more now, especially with 
what happened with Isaiah Wilson this, this past year. You, you want to get just an honest take. I mean, look, man, what's up with him? How, how was he in the lockout? Whatever. And these are the type of things that teams spend their meetings. And remember, they have five virtual meetings with, with prospects. You know, you could go up to five. And I know they met with Elijah Moore uh, three or four times. So that's something to, to take note of. I've been told that Elijah Moore's pro day was one of the best workouts some of these scouts have ever seen from a receiver. So that's something to look at. But is that like a scout trying to build him up? So Rashad Bateman is there? Like how? And it's tough to really sort through it. And you just have to not really place too much emphasis on one particular take. Tevin Jenkins supposedly is a guy that the Titans are going to take. I don't know about that, right? Because we, I asked John Robinson about offensive line, and he said it's pretty well spread throughout. And I know they really like Deontay Smith out of East Carolina, who's a guy they could pick with 100. So it's just really sorting through all that. It's, it's, you can't place a whole bunch of stock in, in anything that you hear from agents or from, from media. I always my, – my emphasis is based on, on players that I speak to. The Nico Collins interview, by the way, was a lot of fun. He was a good time Thanks. on. No, I really, I really, I mean, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed all of them. I've learned a lot specific, specifically, especially because, you know, the, the combine is the closest, at least, you know, I am not a, a day-to-day draft person. You know, I normally am playing catch up by the time the season ends. And so the combine is really the most interaction that you get with these guys and they're on a podium and they're surrounded by all of us. So it's not really a good measure. So I've really enjoyed your series with these players to be able to get a little better of a vibe of them before, you know, maybe some of them land here in Nashville. Um, I think, I think Teron, the, the way that I'm, I'm kind of looking at this on not just Thursday, but in general is there's been so much conversation, external conversation, not from the team, but external conversation about them sitting at 22 and having it make more sense to trade back. Now that is so much easier said than done, but John has made John Robinson has made a trade in every draft that he's been a part of. He has the most draft picks that he's had basically since 2017 when he got here and had to build the thing back up from the, you know, the ashes that Rustin Webster left. And they haven't had a draft class since then. That's been more than six players. They, they, they need to nail every draft that they do. Of course, John Robinson would say that Mike Vrabel would say that any of us would say that, but they're in this weird spot as a team, I think, where there is so much emphasis placed on this particular draft because of the way that the COVID finances have restricted their ability to kind of regenerate either with with bringing back their own guys or going out and spending even a little more in free agency than they did. And they spent quite a bit. But there is going, there's going to have to be such a reliance on organic, organically restocking the, the talent of this team through the draft. And I don't know how, I, I don't know how I feel about them putting that many of their eggs in this one basket. That's the tough thing. And it's funny. This is going to be the most they've had in, in a few years. And what did John Robinson say? I want more. I wish I had more. Yeah. So, I mean, that tells you that there could be a trade back. And the really unique part of this is there are probably a legit, 40 to 45 guys with the first round great, right? Christian Barmore, they could trade back and get a guy like that. Everyone says he's the top interior guy. Me personally, 
Levi Onsarike out of Washington is my top guy, but still another one that has a first-round grade, but he's another one of like 40 to 45 players. So if you could trade back, and as John Robinson said, go back five, six, or, or, or seven picks and still get a guy that you really like, you, you do it. You know, and that, that's something that I could see them doing, generating another second-round pick. Now you could get Asante Samuel Jr. and Nico Collins. In, in the second round, right? Or you could get Amari Rodgers and Tyson Campbell in the second round. I think that's what it's about, generating more picks. And fortunately for the Titans, with this draft class, there are a lot of impact players that can, can be had beyond day one. But you also have to look at their need, as you mentioned. They're in a situation where you have a good group, but you need a lightning bolt of talent coming in to, to complement that group and bring it to the next level. Because after all, you don't play just to, you know, win a couple games. You play to win it all. And every team at this point right now, that's their goal. So they're going to have to get some impact players and be able to do it. Especially given what's what's happening around them. Like the Houston Texans have largely ruled out. Like, uh, and, and it's not just because of, of everything that Deshaun Watson is, is, you know, going through publicly and legally at this point, but they're just not, in a position to be a competitive football team right now. Carson Wentz, you and I talked about this the day that he got traded to Indianapolis. The, the last version of him that we saw was a that of a broken quarterback. And if you had any confidence in any coaching staff to be able to kind of piece him back together, I would imagine it would be Frank Wright, given all of the reasons that people cited as it making sense for Wentz to end up there. But I look at Jacksonville, TD, and I'm – just based off how successful Justin Herbert was in his rookie year on, I would say a less talented team than what the loss uh, than, than what the Jacksonville Jaguars are right now. I really like what they did in free agency. I think that there are skill position players there that can help make this offense sustainable. And the only positions that they're playing that they're paying right now in Jacksonville are their offensive line, which is, of course, the most important thing if you're bringing in a rookie quarterback or an inexperienced quarterback like Trevor Lawrence will be, supremely talented though he might be. Where are you kind of looking around the around the, the rest of the division and saying, okay, the, the Titans should – or at least may, maybe this is how I'm thinking. Maybe this is not your thought process at all. But I'm looking at the Titans saying – they're competitive by default because of everything else around them. But the more that I look into at least Jacksonville, the more that I'm thinking, I don't think they're as far off as, as everybody might be projecting them to be. And that's the whole thing. You, you look when the Titans played the Jaguars in week two, I mean, that was a game, <laughs> you know, and that was with Gardner Minshew as a quarterback. So I would imagine Trevor Lawrence would be a better player than that. Then in addition to that, you're talking about a team that's drafting in the first you know, first and pretty much every of the last rounds, barring any other trades. So that's something else. There's going to be a high influx of talent. Who knows? Kadarius Tony could be on the board when they pick at 33, and there you go. Now you got Tony, you got uh, uh, LaVisca Chenault, and you got DJ Sharp. You're in really good shape. You got a nice, and the offensive line is solid. So they're, they're going to be a team to watch. I think, like I said, they're going to be better than a lot of people think they are. And that's going to be tough. And division games are always tough anyway. So that's going to be interesting how that works with the, with the Titans. But I think really that the team to threaten them in the AFC South is the Colts. And it's just if they could get that thing going right with, with 
with Carson Wentz and, and Frank Wright together, and if they could get that left tackle situation solidified, maybe they take a, a guy like, like Tevin Jenkins or Alex Leatherwood or someone like that to play left. I think Jenkins is more of a right tackle, but that's a different conversation. But still, they could solidify that in the draft, and that's it, it's going to be really interesting, man, because you know the Ravens are going to get better. They have two picks in the first round. You know they're going to get a receiver with one of those, and, and the more you can add for Lamar Jackson, the better. The Chiefs, man, they, they swiped they swiped in and got Orlando Brown. Their offensive line is going to be better, right? And then you have other teams, the Bills. They're going to get something. Right? There's so many teams that are up there. The Browns, they got clowning, right? But then they they've done a, a bunch of other things too. So AFC is going to be really interesting, and I'm looking forward to to the season and seeing how it plays out. 100%. All right. We've st- we've had super serious football conversation. I feel like we haven't laughed nearly enough. So uh, have you seen what Nick Sirianni is doing as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles? Just pl- please explain to me what the, and, and I understand he's a first time head coach. It is a, t- it is a terribly tough place to walk into Philadelphia, but this man, I, I understand that, you know, that prospects get asked questions that are ridiculous. Like, are you a cat dog, a cat person or a dog person? But the whole the whole rock paper scissors thing to test their competitiveness, yeah. like I think I I can't tell if he was joking or not. He seemed to be very excited about the idea of it. What what the hell? What the hell is the Philadelphia media making of this man, Teron? Because I know you're sitting back there and chuckling watching this man on a on a public setting just make a fool of himself the way that he has. Yeah, I mean they're laughing. At they're making a mockery of it. That's really the bottom line. Those guys and girls down there, they're tough, man. They're <laughs> up there, right? They're, they're tough. So I, he, he picked the wrong group to, to have something like that. But it's funny because these draft questions, I was just talking to, um, was it Derek? No, it was Kenny Randall, a, a nose tackle out of Charleston. And I asked him about some of the questions. And I, I told him how uh, there was a running back named Terrence West, right? He was, I remember Terrence he was West. selected by the Browns. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they asked him, they put a they put a brick in front of him. They say, you know, tell me a few different things that you would do with a brick. And he said the first thing he thought of was flipping it, like a brick of, of, yeah. of something he doesn't need to have his hands on. You know what I mean? And yeah. Another guy, he was asked uh, twenty things that he would do with a paper clip, and one of his first answers was pick a lock. And I was just like, hey. there's no winning. And you failed the test instantly, man. Saying something <laughs> like that, so. The questions, they'll set you up with them, but it's interesting just how they get into the psychology. Are you a cat or a dog? And you got to explain why. And they, they take and they analyze those answers so much. It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty interesting how they do that. You know, nothing like a, nothing like a bunch of uh, football coaches to be doing pop psychology in a Zoom meeting. That's how this stuff goes. <laughs> but the pre-draft process, it is nearly over. We will have actual football conversations by the time the Titans hopefully select in the first round. We'll see if they actually select in the first round or not. In the meantime, we will continue to follow all of our friend Teron Davenport's exceptional draft coverage, whether it be on ESPN.com. He's going to be on ESPN tonight in the NFL Nation mock draft. He's going to be talking with TD, the podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. He's on 102.5 The Game all over the place. TD, out here killing it, man. Thank you. Thank you for all of the work that you have done through this draft process because it helps people like me to, you know, do a little do a little bit of cheating and trying to catch up on the other side of things. Hey man, it's always fun. You know, I, I take pleasure in this. So I appreciate you having me on, man. 
I haven't got to say it on the air. So yeah, congrats on that 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 merger, A Z A to Z and one oh four or five. You're already killing it, man. Even though, you know, don't tell the, the station, but I'm listening. So yeah, <laughs> I'm tuning in, man. <laughs> hey, listen, we we you know with the the A to Z sports, it's it's Switzerland. Everybody can come here. Everybody can have a good time. There's nothing. Nobody got to worry about nothing. It's literally contractually no negotiated. TD, thanks again, brother. Sure. Music City Mailbag time here on the podcast. But quickly, for some, the draft is the most exciting day of the offseason. For others, it is a chance to build on last year's success. Whether your team has the first pick or the last or somewhere in between like the Titans do, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing the excitement to you. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is adding to the thrill of the draft with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets if a quarterback is drafted first overall on Thursday night. Turning $1 into $100 in free bets is so simple. All you have to do is place a wager on any draft day outcome, and you will be eligible to win $100 in free bets if a quarterback is selected first overall. Real easy. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code A2ZSports when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. DraftKings Sportsbook is letting you turn $1 into $100 in free bets if a quarterback, simply a quarterback, is selected first overall this Thursday night. Don't forget, enter code A to Z Sports during sign-up only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Tennessee only. Winnings paid out in free bets. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text the Tennessee red line 1-800-889-9789. All right. So, you guys have been very active actives active in the dms here over the weekend leading into this draft week so we start with evan c white 97 who slides into my dms and says buck i need your insight who do you think the titans will draft at 22 the titans are doing a raffle thing for a gibson oh (laughs) so he's using me to win a contest it seems I don't care if you're wrong, but your pick will be more informed than mine. I'm leaning towards a wide receiver because of the depth. I truly have no idea. So, <laughs> um, I, I honestly don't know. I, I really, I, I know that's not the answer that any of you were looking for. I know you guys come here for a little bit more informed opinion, but you know, I've spent so much time this week talking about draft rumors, draft reports, and how I really, I believe almost none of them, to be honest with you. Now, there hasn't been a great deal of information coming out about the Titan selection, really more people mocking needs to them, people mocking best player available to them based on how everybody thinks the draft board's going to fall. But you really could go, I mean, you could go five different ways. You could go wide receiver, corner, defensive lineman, edge player. Uh, It would be a shock to see them go tight end in the first round. In fact, I think that's probably the one that you can take off the board, given how far the drop-off is between Kyle Pitts and everybody else. Offensive tackle is a possibility. Like I, I, I want to give you guys the most informed answer that I possibly can. And the most informed answer that I possibly can right now is on Thursday night. I have zero, 
0% chance of getting this pick right. And it's not because, you know, I just, I just don't want to, I just don't want to act like I know something that I don't. I simply don't. So this is a long way of me saying, I have no idea what the hell is going to happen. And I don't think they really do either until we get into the draft and we see what happens in the, basically the 21 picks before them. Sorry, (laughs) Evan, I know that doesn't help you with your, uh, with your contest, but you know, get get out of here with me helping you win a contest just by making a mock draft pick. What is It's a ridiculous contest. Anyway, Trey 0617. Buck, crazy request. Oh, God. I'm looking for an investor for a townhouse community. About 40 in this particular project. There's about 3 to $5 million to be made. I, need, I have everything in place. All I need now is the funding. Please hit me up if you want more details or if you know someone who would be. See, now this is the beauty of the mailbag because... I don't read these things. I try to have an organic reaction to them. Now, I should be, sometimes I'll have research at my disposal if there are questions that I need to have information in front of me, but this is a testament to the organic nature of the mailbag. Trey is in here hitting me up for funding on a townhouse community project. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not opposed to real estate investment, Trey, all I would say to you is, yeah, you're going to have to give me a lot more information than that before I give you my money. <laughs> but I appreciate the attempt. Moving on, Josh Medina, 08. If the Titans decide to forego wide receiver or corner in the first round, what is the best case scenario for a wide receiver and corner pairing in the second and third round? So this is an interesting conversation. This is a, a legitimate draft scenario that we can talk about because while there are, we, we know the top four names at corner at this point, right? Sertan, uh, J.C. Ja- Horn, I almost said J.C. Jackson. He is also a corner, but he's currently in the league. J.C. Horn, Caleb Farley, and Greg Newsom. Those are the names that you know at this point. But when you look at the cornerback class uh, later on in the rounds, there are playmakers really more at the cornerback position than any other position, I think, defensively this year. Wide receiver in the second and third round. I I assume Josh is asking me about wide receiver in the second and cornerback in the third, but I don't think he's necessarily married to that idea. So when I go and look at Dane Brugler's draft guide, because this is how, between this and Teron's, uh, Teron's podcast, where he interviews so many of the prospects, this has been the most informed way for me to go about watching film. It makes my life a lot easier to be able to do because they've already pinpointed the prospects. All I have to do is go find tape on them. So in in the second round for wide receiver, there are still a multitude of options. And I think probably you would need to go corner there first before you went wide receiver. Because, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you can get a corner basically up until up through round three that would be able to contribute meaningful snaps to your football team. And that's really what you're looking for right now. Meaningful snaps to your football team outside of just having a starting receiver. And you want, you're going to have somebody who is going to make starts for you, make no mistake. But with the way that offenses run now, with so much of it being an 11 personnel, not, not, not to- totally married to 11 personnel, the Titans, in fact, run a lot of two tight end sets, so it's they are more of a uh, more of a case study for the alternative. 
But when I look at corners on day two, if I'm going to let the wide receiver class ride a little longer, the more that I look at somebody like Eric Stokes from Georgia, I really, really like the fit of Stokes within this defense, and I'm going to mispronounce his name. I know how to pronounce his last name, Melifonwu, because his brother, Obi, is uh, uh, is already in the league. He's a second rounder out of Syracuse or a projected second rounder out of Syracuse. Uh, but it's Efitu Melifonwu. Efitu Melifonwu and Eric Stokes are two players who I really, really enjoy watching on film. They kind of pop to me. And I think that they would fit well in a defense that wants to run a lot of man coverage. That's where the Titans defense is trending less zone, more man. And it's not like they're married to man over zone schemes, but for what they want to run, it is preferable to have corners who are comfortable in man coverage. Now, wide receivers, I mean, I could give you any variety of names. That's really the thing that Teron and I spent so much time about um, on, on today's podcast, just kind of going through how many different small school wide receivers, how many different slot receivers, outside wide receivers, Z, you know, just any, any, <laughs> I'm just going to start calling out letters like that would mean anything. I don't know why I just said Z, <laughs> but you know, that's, that's the way that, uh, that's the way that teams kind of, uh, I don't want to say pigeonhole them, but that's the terminology that they use. It was just a random Z that I lobbed out there into the atmosphere though. There's a, a thousand different ways that you could go at this position to say that I have any idea what their draft board looks like at wide receiver would be uh, intellectually dishonest at this point. I don't know if you guys can hear uh, one of my kittens in the background. She's she's very upset at the fact that I'm spending more time this morning on draft coverage than I am going to get her breakfast. But I mean, looking through looking through the wide receiver depth, like the last the latest I would be willing to go for a wide receiver is the fourth round. And ultimately, a guy like Shy Smith out of South Carolina, really, really aggressive, got a lot of dog in him. He's got great play speed, great toughness. He's really good at beating press coverage and accelerating into his routes. I really liked watching him at South Carolina. He is a, a physically smaller wide receiver, so you could use him in the slot if you so choose, but he does have the ability to play on the outside, which uh, which does give you um, some good potential there. Now, the, like I said, the weight, the height is not ideal. He's not going to grow anymore at this point, based on what he's had. And really, they didn't they didn't take him, they didn't target him deep down the field, at least last season when you watch South Carolina's offense. Now, whether that's a quarterback thing or a Shy Smith thing uh, remains to be seen. But I think that's about as late as I would be willing to go with wide receivers. So that's a, what is that, a second and a fourth round wide receiver for you. But that, that just speaks to the, that's a testament to the depth of this draft that I can continue to go like late into the fourth and find you guys like Shy Smith. Uh, he also asked a second question, but unfortunately, Josh, we try to keep it to one question per person during the mailbag. All right, see, wait, what do we got? Chris Campbell, Dupree, Autry, Simmons, Landry, and Barmore would be ideal, but how do we know? Shane Bowen can get those players to do what they need to do because we still don't know about him. Um, I mean, Mike Vrabel knows about him, and Mike Vrabel is going to continue to trust him with the assistance, remember, of Jim Schwartz. There are plenty. It's not just Bowen's job 
to go out there and make sure that all things on the defense are functioning correctly. Now, ultimately, the responsibility and the finger pointing will point back at him because he is the coordinator, now officially in title as well as in action. But if you're going to worry about any position um, or any like group of guys, it wouldn't be the what four or five players that you're going to be using up front because at that point, outside of stunts outside of games that you're playing up front where you're you know you're you're bringing a, a, a bringing a tackle outside and r- bringing the edge rusher or the end inside on a stunt things like that what that are coordinated that are a part of a certain scheme um you just have to tell these guys hey go get the quarterback or hey be prepared to stop the run keep your eyes on the ball and then go get the quarterback like it's not that it, it's not rocket science right so and I you know I I'm sure that I would be uh, I would be chastised for trying to simplify it that way by any football people, but I mean, if you're going to worry about any position group, it shouldn't be the guys that are tasked with bringing down the quarterback. So all I have to do is go get the quarterback. Just that simple. Chris Campbell on Instagram. All right, one more for the mailbag. Senior uh, Senior Rojito Cliff Reddish, who writes in, "Yo, Buck, I'm a native Tennessean, Chattanooga, and a graduate of Indiana. Okay, a fellow Hoosier alum." Was wondering if you thought any Hoosier defensive players would be a good fit with the Titans. Uh, the Hoosiers defense was good. Did I really just type that? And want to know if any specific players could be in the two-tone blue. So I think that's an interesting, uh, an interesting question. Maybe far more niche for the larger Tennessee audience that is hanging out with us on the podcast. But uh, the more that I look at it, like at this point. I haven't seen many defensive players that would be in a place where they might be able to contribute substantially. Like they have uh, the court, the former Indiana quarterback, Peyton Ramsey is in this draft. Um, The way that I look at it, I don't know that there's anybody necessarily draftable right now. The running back, Stevie Scott, the third is also in this draft. I just look at this and say, there's not really much for me if I'm looking at the defensive side of the ball. Tight end Wap Filer is in this draft as well. I mean, I, I could go down the list of these positions, and there are some defensive players that you might be interested in, whether it is uh, whether it is um, I want to make sure that I get his name right because I am uh, I am looking <laughs> I'm scrolling through the draft guide if you can't tell as I'm trying to stall. Um, but at this point, I don't think that there's anybody who really jumps off the page to me other than Jamar Johnson. Jamar Johnson's the safety. He's a projected third or fourth round pick, a junior last year. I thought he was competent. I think that he is, he is somebody who could be considered given that a a third round pick or a fourth round pick would be after you've addressed most of the Titans needs and best player available in the first round, he had a very, very strong collegiate career at Indiana. I think that for what he does, he's pretty rangy. He's got pretty, he's pretty smooth in coverage. Like he transitions well uh, when he's lined up in the slot and he keeps his eyes on the quarterback and drives into key passing windows. Like he's really, he's a solid player. Uh, ultimately, though, he can't help you play the run, which is one of the things that 
Kenny Vaccaro did so well. So he's more a free safety than he's a strong safety. He's not going to be, he's not going to spend as much time in the box as Vaccaro did. So he's not an ideal replacement, but he needs, honestly, he could be, he could stand to be a little more disciplined. And maybe that's something that you develop once you get to the pros. But if you, if you do not have those traits coming into the NFL, it's going to be harder for you to develop that toughness, that discipline, um, especially in the run game, because that's something that you have to be willing to do. And it's going to be a lot harder to get yourself invested in being disciplined and tough in the run game if you weren't willing to do it in college. So, I mean, he's I don't think he's a possibility for the Titans, but he is a defensive player that is going to be drafted fairly high, we assume, based on the projections and uh, somebody who will be able to participate for one team, if not this team. All right, Music City Mailbag here on a Tuesday. Have a fantastic week. We'll talk to you after the draft. Austin, Zach, myself, we will have an A to Z Sports draft stream, live stream show Thursday and Friday night of the draft. That'll be exciting. And by the way, if you're in Nashville and you want to come hang out with me on draft day, come to Tin Roof on Demumbrian. I'll be doing the radio show for 104.5 The Zone from 10 to 1 there on Thursday. Very exciting stuff. Have a fantastic rest of your week. Stay safe, stay clean, and as always, Nashville, stay hot. This has been the award-winning 615 Sessions podcast powered by Two Rivers Ford. It is brought to you from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios and presented, as always, by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. There. I think I got everybody. (laughs) 